Good morning. <laughs> nice. <laughs> My name is Roland. Uh, I'm one of the leaders here at Rethink Church. We're glad you're here with us today. Uh, if you guys are visiting or just checking us out, if you've been here for a few weeks, uh, we want to get to know you a little bit better. And uh, we all have anxiety. We all have stress. We all have things going on. People get up here and smile. We're dealing with it too. <laughs> Life is heavy and there's valleys and mountaintops. <clears throat> so um, just know you're not alone. We care about you. you we want to hear your story. We want, to know, we want you to know that this is a place where you can be loved, um, where you can grow, where you can mature and have people support you. So we'd love to get to know you. Uh, you can talk with us in the back or the guest services area. We have a gift for you uh, just to get your, your name and say hi. Just as simple as that. And if you don't like talking, you can text 219-233-2311, and we'll reach you that way. So I saw some people smile. You know, <laughs> like, that's me. Let's get that number. Uh, after church today, we're going to Panera Bread in Maryville, over by Portillo's. Uh, this is another opportunity for us to fellowship, have some good food, and just talk. Uh, a lot of times we don't get that time here, so we're going to meet at Panera Bread right after church. If you're interested in that, you could follow somebody or ask somebody where we're going. So, uh, Last week we gave to our mission, Destiny Rescue, which helps to rescue um, children from sex slavery around the world. And uh, we raised enough to save a child for the fourteen hundred. Now I'm like, hey, we could probably do that every month and save twelve kids. You're like, it's tax time. We we could do it. That would be pretty awesome. Like last year we rescued three. We already rescued one in the new year. So let's keep that going as we go into this next month. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple different ways you can give. You can give uh, with money or a check at the black box in the back, or you can go to rethink.cc, click the Give tab, and give that way. Um, God has no problem at checking me. It's kind of like I feel like maybe I signed up for that before I was born. Like, uh, anytime you want to check me, call me out. He has no problem doing that. Uh, so last night, my, my wife was going through clothes, and uh, she had a Peppa Pig sweater for my daughter, and it said, jump in the puddles. And immediately, I'm like, I was not that kid. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm not messing up my shoes, I'm not messing up my pants, my socks. It would say, like, jump in the puddles if I can wear your shoes. That's what my sweater would say. And uh, it, it got me thinking, I'm like, man, like, God was convicted me with a Peppa Pig sweater. He says, like, when you, Roland, you talk, you say that, but when it comes to tithing, like, that's not your money. You actually get to give my money back to me <laughs> or to my ministries or to whatever, my kingdom. And uh, it was kind of convicting because I can be greedy. I can be a Scrooge McDuck. Um, and so, like God's saying, like, Roland, that's not your money. Like, if, if you really have this mentality of you, you would have fun and you would be joyful about giving and you would be joyful about all these things if, if it was somebody else's money, uh, it is. It's not your money, Roland. So let's, let's work on that. Let's change our minds and change our hearts. Um, the money that we give here changes lives. There's people that walk through these doors that have never encountered Jesus before. And the offering we give helps change lives. So just know that. Know that uh, it, it, as hard as it may be to give, it's already God's. He already has a plan for that money when you give it. Yeah. 
So let's, let's be obedient to that. Um, we're going to have another spiritual discipline message today. So let's pray as we get into that. Abba, Father, we love you. Uh, thank you so much that you pursue us. Uh, and I pray that everyone in this room would be open to your Holy Spirit, God. Um, the phrases we say, the things we think, the values we say we have, I pray that you would check us on those, God. Call us out when we say, hey, God, this is yours, and um, we, we don't put it into action. I pray that you would check us all, God. Open our minds and hearts this morning to who you are. Um, thank you so much for your word. Bless Mark as he brings the word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We were broken, sinful, and wretched. A stain soaked deep into the fabric of humanity. Consumed by death, covered in darkness, lost in the wilderness, set adrift in the vastness. But God, he was consumed too. Unwilling to watch his creation wander endlessly. Unable to sit by as we dove deeper into the abyss. He was overcome by love, by grace, by mercy. He took our pieces and gave them purpose. He took our shattered spirit and gave it hope. He took our destiny and reshaped it. Though we were unworthy, He counted us worthwhile. We were broken, but in the hands of God, We've been made whole. I'm the pastor of church, and I love these little creative uh, videos that we get to show and watch your guys' reactions. So now that I'm stalking you, I'm just watching. <laughs> but it's funny because some of you guys are like, yeah, like, hey, that's an awesome app, but you guys, okay. And then watching the Facebook reaction. So thank you for that. Uh, so, uh, but today we're going to jump right in. We're going to eventually get to Luke chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there, get there, however you want to get there. Um, we'll be in verse uh, 39 whenever we get there. It's going to be a while, so just don't rush it. So, all right. So don't forget, we are in these, uh, this following Jesus, what does it look like to actually follow Jesus type of conversation. Uh, and we said that there's three goals of a follower of Jesus. We want to be with Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. And we want to do the things that Jesus would do. Right? So if he was living your life, how would he actually live your life? That's the idea that we're looking at, okay? <clears throat> so, last month we talked about how we can actually be with Jesus. What does that look like on a daily basis? What does that look like on a weekly basis? And some of those kind of practices just to help us calm down and ignore the world for a moment and just really connect with Jesus. So, if you think that, like, you said this prayer, you just want to get out of, like, a ticket to heaven, or sorry, a ticket out of hell to get to heaven, uh, and that's what you thought of, like, following Jesus really meant, if you don't want to be with Jesus, check your motives. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we said. That's part of this. It's a foundational level of following Jesus, meaning that you want to be with Jesus. Now, we're going to talk about what does it look like to be like Jesus in the next few weeks. And so what does it look like for us to do that? And every time I say that, there's this underlying, like, subconscious question that we need to ask ourselves. Does that mean I need to change? If I want to be like Jesus... There's this foundational, it's like underneath, we don't, like, sometimes we don't even want to talk about it. Is there parts of my life that need to actually change that? Or am I good enough as I, as I am? You know what I mean? 
And so part of this process, we talk about, in the church world, they, they, they throw out this nice fancy word called sanctification. Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Jesus, right? So instantaneous that we are saved once we've made the decision to follow Jesus, we humble ourselves and we say, yep, I have sinned, and the only way to get free of my sin is through Jesus, right? That's salvation, that's in an instant. Sanctification, the process of becoming more like Jesus is a lifelong process. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. If somebody who is living and is breathing says to you, I'm done being sanctified, they're lying to you, and just send them right back to the scriptures and say, you're liars, we all know we're liars, but according to Revelation, like hell. <laughs> so, anyways, you don't have to say that, that's probably like an extra thing, but part of the process is this humbling of ourselves to acknowledge, yep, there's parts of my life that need to change. Does that make sense? And so, we have to, there's, there's that challenge of like, some people in our culture just don't think they need to change. Some people in our culture literally say, I'm a king, queen, and I don't need to do anything. I'm perfect just the way are, we are, and all of that. And they have this, I would say, a blinded arrogance. Yeah. Does that make sense? That they just don't need to, they, there's a sense of entitlement. And then on the complete opposite end of this, there are people who will pr approach this, pr uh, like this process of becoming more like Jesus as a way to earn your salvation. Mm -hmm. Like, they have to literally go through this. So, Yes and no. How about that? Just yeah. say, let's approach this with intention. Does yeah. that make sense? And that's okay. So as we're going through this, this, this sermon right here, this message right here, is going to be the foundation for the next few weeks of saying, okay, what does it look like for us to be with Jesus, and why does it even matter? This is, the, this is one of the questions. When I wrestled through becoming a follower of Jesus when I was a teenager, I, wasn't, I was 17 when I became a follower of Jesus, and one of the main reasons was the description of heaven to me just seemed lacking, like, the idea of wearing diapers, sitting on clouds, and just, like, worshiping Jesus, that was the idea that was given to me, of heaven, and I was like, I don't want to do that, like, that sounds boring, right, uh, and so the idea of that kind of idea of, like, this is all I'm really going to do, is, like, do whatever I want to do, is it all about me, you know what I mean, sometimes the idea of heaven has been approached to us, like, everything you want to do, you can do, and all the things that you, like, it's all about you as a, as a self-centered approach to heaven. It's just a misunderstanding of the scriptures. And so, part of the process of what we want to do today is lay an idea of a foundation of why, okay? So, here, let me just ask you this. Let's say in 25 years, you're going to become the president of the United States. Okay. Do you think you're going to coast in those 25 years? Or are you going to do something to learn? Like, maybe let's learn how the government functions. Yeah. Right? Some of us don't even understand that. We're like, what's a bill? Yeah. Right? We need to go back to like the PBIS, like or the PBS. Yeah, there you go. Start us right there. We need to learn that. Some of us need to learn like military language, right? What's the role of the president? You kind of need to know that if you're gonna serve in this function, right? Maybe what's the what's the role of Congress, what's the role of the Supreme Court, like all of these kind of things. Maybe learn internet international trades and all this, especially after like World War II, NATO, all that kind of stuff. You probably need to know American status as we are right now. Or you could just kind of coast there. How many say you're going to coast there and just hope for the best in 25 years? <laughs> or would we go through a process of learning things, becoming better, and serving this community better, right? So no matter, I don't care what your political stance is. Just, I don't at all. But I would say this. We probably could argue that, you know what, when, when this, the people in those offices serve the communities 
and actually know what they're talking about and know what they're doing, it helps the, the community out. Yeah. Does that make sense? When all they do is serve their self-centered agenda and all that, it only helps them out and hurts the communities, yeah. right? So keep this in mind as we go through these next series of scriptures. You don't have to turn there. The, the reference will be there. And I'm going to encourage you, do your own homework as we work through this, okay? And why does this actually matter? So we're going to start out in Matthew chapter 25. Keep this in mind. Why does this matter when it comes to becoming more like Jesus? Jesus tells this pair about the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. And he talks about these three men, this, this king who's extremely wealthy, extremely generous. Like, he says this, that he gives one guy five talents of gold. Talents of gold in the ancient world was ten years' worth of wages. And this king, this ruler, gives one guy five talents worth of gold. Your translation may just say bags of gold. Either way, do you have bags of gold that you can give someone? If you do, I'll take it. But anyway, so he gives this guy five talents of gold, right? And then he gives another guy two talents of gold and another guy one talent of gold. That's a lot of money that he can just give away, right? So he looks at his servants and he says, hey, do your thing. I'll be back. And after a long time, however long that was, he comes back. And then he asks for a count. So the guy with five talents shows up and says, hey, you gave me five talents of gold. I gave you, I made you five talents of gold, which is a total of 10 talents. Notice how, the, how the, the master responds. He says this, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many things. Kingdom of heaven is like, I've given you something, you've done something great with it, and now I'm going to put you in charge of something. Guy with two talents shows up. He says, Hey, you gave me two talents. I made you two talents. <clears throat> the master says again, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things, and now I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Yeah. Who's in charge of these things? The servants are. Right? And then this guy with one talent, he shows up and he's like, Dude, you're a harsh master. I know that. You do all these harsh things. I was scared of you, so I just buried the thing in the ground. But here's your talent back. And how does the master respond? You lazy, wicked servant. All you did was bear it. And we've always approached this, this parable of like, do your things, give your money, all this other, like, yes, that's part of it. There's, there's the reality that it's not necessarily what you've been given, but what do you do with what you've been given? That is a reality of this teaching, this parable, right? But he's not put in charge of things to be in charge, to, to make decisions on. One of the points that just kind of gets ignored in this, this parable is the fact that he would, like, you've been trusted with a few things, now I'm going to put you in charge of a lot of things. And this is part of the kingdom of heaven. Part of the kingdom of heaven is that we are not just going to sit on clouds. We're going to make decisions. We're ruling. We are reigning. And we just kind of glaze right over that, right? Right? This is part of that process. Notice Luke chapter 2, I'm uh, sorry, 22. He's on this, Jesus with his disciples for the last time in Luke. He's having the last meal and all this, the last supper. <coughs> and here's what he says. He says, I confer unto you a kingdom just as my father conferred unto me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, this is the original disciples, and there's some scholarly debate, healthy, whatever you want to call it, that was this statement only directed to the original disciples, or was this directed to all disciples? I don't care. The point of it is, I'm not getting lost in the details. Right? The point of it is, at some point, the disciples of Jesus will be judged. How many children does your will have? And what does this look like? Does that make sense? Yeah. 
If you want to get lost in the details, have at it. And then email me at heather at rethinkchurch.cc with all your findings, okay? <laughs> so, be awesome. She'd love to hear your opinion on this. So, but here's the deal. At some point, we have to say the words of Jesus, when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, this next age to come as followers of Jesus, is that we're going to rule, make decisions, and judge. Right? So, as this message started going across the, the, the known world and all this, um, there's places where this kind of got into, into conflict. So, imagine you have people who have very kosher backgrounds, Jew, Jewish backgrounds, living amongst Gentile people, and now they're not coming together based around their ethnicities, but they're coming together based on following Jesus. And there'd be some conflicts and stuff like that. So, Paul and Peter and John and all them would write these letters, and you would see this come up in different decisions. And so you see in 1 Corinthians, which is, like, the Corinthian church was horrible at being good Christians. They sucked at it, right? If you think you're good, like, horrible, and you struggle, you read the New Testament letter, and you're like, man, I'm doing better, right? I'm not showing up to church drunk. I'm not getting drunk at church. All these other things that you can see, right? Like, awesome things. You're not stealing money unless you are, then we need that conversation. All this other stuff, right? So, great things, right? So here's what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. As horrible as they are as Christians, here's what he says. Uh, if any of you dispute with one another, do not dare to take it to an ungodly judge, meaning go to a government judge. Instead, go before the Lord's people. Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge this world? And if you are to judge this world, are you not competent in judging these trivial cases? And if you do not know that you will judge the angels as well, how much more are these things in this life? Part of our role as followers of Jesus, is to learn how to judge each other. It's not horrible in this culture, right? You don't let them judge them or the other. But part of this world is this. Now, did anyone grow up in church where you heard, do not sue? Don't, like, sue and don't dig into this. Anyone ever hear that? Yeah. I always heard that, and I would always ask people, why is that, why, why don't we sue each other? Well, in the scriptures, that's what the Bible says. Well, why is it in the scriptures? Does that make sense? Like, sometimes you have to ask yourselves, why is it in the Bible? You can't just simply say it's in the Bible. Having that, non that mantra will kind of get you tripped up at times. And so you need to ask yourself, the reason that Paul says don't, don't sue each other is because we should learn how to handle these kinds of issues together. We should actually practice what does it look like to live in community. Okay, there's some disputes, there's some tensions, it's okay. Let's come together and actually hold each other accountable and not just worry about your feelings. Does that make sense? And part of this process is, we talked about this before, there's a difference between having a church and having a church service. Right? And whenever I coach with young church people who want to be church planners, I'm always talking to them, like, make sure you have a church and not a church service. And part of that process is living in community. But our end goal for this as a follower of Jesus is learning that, hey, we're at, did you catch this? We're going to judge the angels? Do you feel equipped to judge the angels as you are right now? Not really, right? I don't. It'd be kind of like if I was going to become the president of the United States in 25 years. I should probably learn some stuff, right? I should probably know how did this happen. So I'm just going to blast in these next few. Paul writes to Timothy. He says this in Second uh, Timothy chapter 2. If we endure, then also reign with him. If we disown him, he'll disown us. We're going to reign with Jesus, according to Paul. Galatians chapter 4, and this is what Paul says again. You are no longer a slave, but a child of God, since you are his child, and you are also, God made you an heir with him. So, once again, we're not, when we get to heaven, we are not just simply sitting in clouds, like, playing a harp, 
and worshiping Jesus all the time, right? There's things we're going to have to get, to get to do. Does that make sense? So part of this process of learning how to become more like Jesus now is so that in the age to come, we actually rule like Jesus. I would say that some of the, the things that we see here when we look at our world, we say, what the heck is going on here? It's humans trying to live into their God, like, wired. Like, we are wired this way. Adam and Eve were ruling and reigning Garden of Eden before they sinned, and they got kicked out. It wasn't authoritative. It was like, how do we actually capture the potential of a creation? And the animal kingdom and the, and the earthly kingdom, that's part of that process. And so when, when God said, okay, now you need to be, like, kicked out of there, now humans have been trying to figure this out, Right? We debate which is the best economic system. We have several. And I'm here, like, capitalism all the way, baby. But I bet you there will be some communists in, in heaven. Right? There will be some socialists in heaven. Even Canadians will probably end up there. <laughs> so, all of this process, we have to learn, okay, what is it? We, are, what we as humans are literally just trying to figure out which economic system that works best. Does it matter? Why? Because it's hardwired into who we are, that we are going to rule and reign. Whenever we see some other people trying to figure out how do we keep order, how do we go with this, how many of you have ever taken a junk drawer and you've cleaned it? Guess what you're doing? You're practicing your God-ordained version of this. You've taken the junk drawer with chaos and you've put order to it. How does the heaven, how does the Bible open up? God hovered over the chaotic waters and put order to it. Even as small as your junk drawer, you're putting this into practice and you're living this out in such a way. Whenever you step into your classroom and it's utter chaos, that's what you're doing. You're stepping in and you're putting this to order. When you tell your child no, you're putting some order and some boundaries there. This is you practicing this out. And so part of the challenge is that we live in a culture that wants this order, but without God's power. They just simply want it to happen. So we make rules, we make laws, we do all this other stuff. We have unwritten rules that we don't want to tell anybody about it either. Just how the cultural norms happen. And part of this process, we actually have to start putting into practice. And now we live in a culture that is no longer about life transformation and personal responsibility, but it's just about let's create the best system. And the best system will do this. Like, it'll identify the bad people. Right? And the whole system is basically... Let's keep, and we say bad people, basically the people who don't like me and won't accept me for who I am, or whatever the agenda is. Does that make sense? So, the system is just going to like, identify bad people instead of saying, okay, how do we keep the good? Does that make sense? So we, we like, lower the idea of personal responsibility, and we just keep ratcheting up the idea of systems and systems and systems without life transformation. The personal responsibility thing, man, that is a that is a loaded issue in our culture of this day, today. Because we talk about where did we start from, how did we, and if we, if you, some of you know my story where it doesn't really, like, the idea of like relationship with my dad isn't necessarily there, but it can never become my excuse of why I would always do this. It's a way that I can explain, this is why I behave, but not my excuse. And part of the process when it comes to transformation is the idea that we have to like actually put in some responsibility. Say, I've sometimes I've created my own mess. Sometimes I've created the issues that I'm dealing with, and and we just kind of want Jesus to make it all better, don't we? 
like Heather sings this song all the time, Jesus Take the Wheel, like randomly, like we'll be just walking through the store, and she's like, Jesus Take the Wheel. It's, I, it's great if you also heard the one sitting here, in, in, right? Notice how, um, Ma- sorry, Matthew chapter 25, the parable, and the talents. Notice that they ruled the areas together. The master brought all the generosity, he brought all the gifts and all this, but he also put the person in place and say, okay, now you're in charge of this. This was God's original design that we had some responsibility in this and it was a partnership with God. And that's how we actually go through this. So, as we approach this, though, here's what we need to keep in mind. We have three enemies of our soul, the three enemies that wants to constantly take away from us, right? We have Satan and his, uh, like, he just plants these deceptive design, like, deceptive ideas. We have our flesh, which takes disordered desires, like something that we want, and just kind of twist it a little bit and say, no, it's out of order, right? And then if we all live like this, then we have a sinful society. And this is kind of where we see ourselves, right? And as we are approaching this, we have to keep this in mind, that these enemies of our soul are constantly attacking us, saying, do you not become more like Jesus? You don't need to. You're just perfect the way you are. Right? And so Jesus loves you, he doesn't even accept you, and all that. So, here's the deal. We all are being formed spiritually speaking. And that's not just Christians. And if you want to know what you're being formed into, just take a look and see, okay, what am I giving my, all of my attention to, or the majority of my attention to? What am I giving my intentionality to? And that will reveal who you're actually worshiping. And it's an easy way to do it on your phone. You just take a look at screen time. Do you, you have more time in your Bible app than you do with Instagram? Probably not. Neither do I, right? So, all that to say, this, this is the reality that we need to look into. And this is where the personal responsibility takes place. You have to sometimes self-evaluate. Who, who or what am I being formed into? And what is that actually going to do for me in this reality? Now, in this age, what our responsibility is is to learn how to be more like Jesus, and so that we can rule and reign with Jesus would want us to. Right? I would say the world is going to be better off if we rule and reign like Jesus, not like the people we see around us. Mm-hmm. Even the best version of your whoever your political party is, I don't care. Whoever that person is, if you're like, man, that person that person's awesome, right? <coughs> it's still not like Jesus. Still not one hundred percent like Jesus. Does that make sense? So whoever, whatever we're giving our intentionality to or intended attention to, that is part of this process. So all of this to say, where's your personal uh, responsibility? Uh, Gregory Nyssa, this old church father, says this, that sin is a refusal to change. Let me say that again, that sin is a refusal to change. That if all you think, I don't have to change, I don't have to do anything, you're sinning. It's in this process of understanding this. This is the idea of what can you learn next, what's the next growth mindset, and all of that. And so, there are sins that we need to avoid, like don't steal, don't murder, don't do anything like that. And then there are sins that we actually need to do. If God says, this is your next step, and you don't do it, that's sin. And according to the early church fathers, that's a refusal to change. That's a refusal to take your next steps, and all of that. So, with that in mind, now we can go to chapter 6. I told you we get there. So, Luke chapter 6, this is part of Jesus' kingdom manifesto, what we typically refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And he's going in this, and he's like, literally, 
thousands of people are hearing this at one moment. But then there's also this beautiful thing that he would travel around. And as he traveled around, because he was in Galilee at points, and Judea, and then Jerusalem area, and he's giving these, like, he would say this over and over and over again, the Sermon on the Mount type thing. And here's what he says. Jesus told him this simple parable, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? Right? And the answer is, yep, that's going to happen. A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. All right? So, student, if you're fully trained, be like, his, like, be like Jesus. Which we, like, does bring up, can you be partially trained? Yeah. You can have some things that are right, some things that are bad, but the reality of it is, our goal should be to be fully trained. And if we are fully trained, then we'll be just like Jesus. Be just like our teachers. Right? So, students, we're not above our teachers and all that. And we like to keep this in mind and say, okay, that's nice, but we have questions, don't we? There are parts of Jesus' teaching that I do not like. The idea of forgiving people who wrong me, I don't like that. I don't want to live like that, right? The idea of don't live eye for eye, tooth for tooth, I enjoy punching people, right? So now you're telling me I can't. Why? Right? So... I told you that story. Like, I was literally in a fight when I was 17 years old, and the last major fight I got into was in Juliet, Illinois, and we were at this, like, I was literally punching this guy going, can I tell him that Jesus loves him as I'm punching him, and then got up and walked away, because that's part of this process, turn the other cheek. Great, awesome, Jesus, right? And this is part of this process. When you and I become more like Jesus, there's going to be things in our life that get revealed to like, oh, that needs to change. There are going to be habits that you're going to stop. There are going to be habits that you start. Right? Even if you have the right motive of doing some things, like God will eventually start dealing with your motives. He'll say, He'll start revealing why you want to do this. Why does it matter? You know what I mean? And so that's part of this process we have to do this. And so here's one of the challenging points that I was uh, part of a coaching group last last few months. And Talking with a couple of our pastors that I was in, the, in this group with, the statement was said, and it's like, like shocked me from a pastor. And he said the statement, it was more about like church politics than anything else, but he said, I don't know, I don't know if people can change anymore. And I was like, well, why, are you, why are you a pastor? Like, please just resign, you know what I mean? Like, if you don't think that humans can change or that God can change humans, don't waste the office of an Go drive a school bus, do something. You know what I mean? Like, productive. Anyway, so, I digress. But anyway, it was like one of those moments of like, oh. And then I had, a, I had a heart check. Do I actually look like this? And there are moments where I'm like, do I think people change? Are people always going to be stupid morons when they drive? Right? Like, that's, like, my, Heather's always like, you got, like, she heard the goal for me this year is not to be aggressive, as aggressive when I drive. Right? Because I think, just get out of the way. That can't be that hard, right? You should know my agenda and my mission for this driving on the same drive, on the same road. So Heather's goal for me is to learn how to drive better. More like this, but better. So, um, <laughs> am I wrong? <laughs> so, so anyway, in this process, I'm, I'm like, I have this heart check. Like, God, do you actually want, do you think that, I, that people can change? 
And I think, yes, I still believe this 100%. And so part of this process, we have to work through why does it even matter? If, we, if people don't think that people can change, we have to check ourselves, right? If you, do, if you think you can't change, then why are you following God? Is it really just for a ticket out of hell? If all you want is a ticket out of hell, I don't know if you get into the kingdom of heaven. Because Jesus died for us in amazing ways, not just to get you out of hell, but also to transform your life. And not just your life, but the, the family for generations after you've been your family, for the generations to come. Because you're not born into a vacuum. And you can with your grandkids, or your great-grandkids, they will not just be born into a vacuum. They're going to be born into, a vac- into a, an environment kind of based on what you decide right now in this lifetime. And it's going to lead to the future generations making certain change, uh, decisions. So this is where theology matters. So this is where this process really starts to take place. So we're going to walk through just very briefly three main views of how salvation happens. Because a lot of times if we don't think the transformation happens, it's because we have wrong theology. So, view number one, and I'm not, I'll, I'm just going to go through these very quickly. They're, I'm not by any means going to dive into the depths of these views, okay? Just going to give you an overview of some of this. Three main views, though. Number one, the first view would be the religious view that we earn our salvation, that we do enough good things that outweigh our bad deeds, right? So, Hail Marys, communion services, mass, following the religious. of sin that we find ourselves in. He raises from the dead. He conquers death. And he makes it available for all humans. And all humans, we have to accept it. He's not going to force it on us. We accept it or we reject it. And so, we have to decide. And how do we accept that? We humble ourselves and admit our sins. We believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. It doesn't mean we understand it all. But we believe it. And then we can commit our lives to his ways to become more like Jesus. Does that make sense? 
<laughs> so part of this process is yes, an instantaneous salvation, but then the life transformation that takes place. That we get the control. He's not like the control of Pesach. Does that make sense? He's going to make things available to transform your life and transform your motives and all this. You just have to go through the steps. If you're not willing to do the work, he's not going to force you. But you won't be transformed into Buddha. So, I'll let you decide. But this is the salvation method that, that we have to start considering. Maybe I describe some of the ways that you view salvation. If you think that you have to earn everything, first, like, the scriptures doesn't make that. Like, go back to the Sabbath. It's available to us. We don't earn it. It's part of who we are. Salvation is available to us. We don't earn this. Yeah. We just need to accept it. Right? And so part of this process is God, I think, really wants to transform us. And he wants to do this. And so in this next few weeks, when we start talking through the idea of transformation and taking our next steps and being more like Jesus, it's not just so that it has nice little cliche things. It's so that at the end of, the, end of this process, we get to rule and reign like Jesus. Yeah. The way that Jesus would want us. The other thing that is part of this process is that, that it's going to help us change. You don't change yourself. I don't change myself. I'm not standing here today because of what I've done. I'm standing here today because of the life transformation process that God has done through these efforts. Does that make sense? Yeah. Think about this. If you're on a sailboat and you're stranded and you feel the wind coming by, but you don't put the sails up, are you going to miss out on an opportunity of being transported from one point to the other? These, these disciplines that we're going to talk to is kind of like raising up the sails. And then God will send his wind and transport you. But if your sails are down, you're just going to be stuck there. And the wind will just blow right over you. And yes, you can change. You do not have to be stuck in whatever the habit or pattern and all this. You can become more like Jesus. Let's pray. God, thanks for this day. Thanks for who you are and everything you've done for us. God, I believe that you have a plan for all of us. Yes, a very general plan that we will rule and reign with you in the end, in the next age. But also a very specific plan for us. That we will no longer have to be defined by our worst mistakes. That the bondage, the bond, the bondage that we carry around, the shame that some of us carry around, we no longer have to be that you will rescue and redeem and restore us. And the baggage that we carry from our previous generations of our parents and our family and all that, that God, you want to end it in our generation. And that you'll send, you'll set up the future generations of our family to thrive and to live in ways that you, we can't even imagine right now. And the decisions that we make this and our generation to be more like you. So Jesus, would you do your miracle work in us? And your miracle work through us? We love you, Jesus. In your we pray this. Amen. Christ is my reward And all of my devotion Now there's nothing in this world that could ever satisfy. Through every trial, my soul.
decided it's time to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning prayer for anything, I'd love to pray at the back of the green wall. If you're new with us, we'd love to connect with you to guest services like Roland was talking about, or you can text if that makes you feel better. So, uh, but yeah, we'll head to Panera here in a little bit. If you want to join us, great. If not, see you next week. So let's go. We have church. Have a great week. See you next time.